Surprise, surprise, splash play on a Monday, a holiday, no less. What are we doing, Spags? Well, we are going to start doing shows on Mondays next week, so we might as well embrace it now. It is Labor Day. We're going to do the labor. We're going to talk about NFL Week 1 ride or die picks. We're also going to do Super Bowl features, and we're going to pa- uh, plant the flags for our guys for fantasy football in 2021. So hit the intro. Let's do it, Pete. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun where we just had 11 people waiting for the show to start, Pete, and now it, then it went down to four. So I don't know what happened. Was the Am I lacking some zest in the intro that might be no. scaring everybody away? So what happens, as I understand it, is for some people's like browsers, it won't automatically start playing. Uh, and so then they refresh and then they see it. That's that's how I believe it works. Okay, I appreciate that. It's not just me scaring everybody away <laughs> with the intros me. that we're doing, but we are here on Splash Play. I am Chris Bags. You are uh, Peter Overzet. Of course, if you're watching this one, we appreciate all of you guys tuning in on Labor Day. If you're watching after the fact, uh, shouldn't be anything too crazy changing this week that's going to change the information very much. So all this will be an evergreen show to carry us through, but make sure you are following at Splash Play Pod. We are following back everybody on there on Twitter Instagram. So it's the best way to know when we are doing shows. And uh, Pete, I mentioned before the show, I am banged up today, played basketball outside like an idiot. So I'm working through injuries here. I'm already on the IL one week into the season, but how are you feeling today on this fine Labor Day? You know what? You can tell my face is uh, a little flushed right now because uh, someone spent a little too long in the sauna and uh, was cutting it a little close for our 3 p.m. start time. So about about 15 minutes ago, I was in the sauna and uh, got the shower and drove home uh, just in time to get us going here. So that's where I'm at, Spag. I was going to say, I didn't know if you had a sauna in your house and you've just somehow hidden this for me this entire time. <laughs> No, I wish, dude. That is that is like my ultimate life goal. There's this comedian in LA I follow in he bought one of the I think there's like a Finnish style um like portable sauna that you can put in your backyard and they come and build it for you and I want one so so bad. Yeah, my friend just bought a house in Pittsburgh and they had a sauna built in, which, you know, normally like, I don't know what was happening in that sauna that somebody else owned, but, but it does seem like a nice perk. If you are a sauna guy, like, I feel like if you buy a house with a sauna though, you pretty much would have to become a sauna guy just because you have access to one. Yeah. It was the one thing I think people remember throughout the pandemic. Like that was the one thing I missed the most about, um, you know, public spaces was just being able to go to the sauna. So yeah, I, uh, I try to take advantage of it and, uh, I got through, I have three more entries in best ball mania until I max it. And so I, uh, I did my, a couple of them on the stairmaster, did the sauna and now, now we're back in the saddle. Oh, so you max it. So, okay. So that's a nice little investment in underdog for, uh, for best ball mania. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm feeling good about it. I uh, some of these drafts, I'm starting to get exposure to some guys that I wasn't heavily drafting at the beginning of the year, you know, and, you know, sprinkling in some of these guys that I had never even heard of in May. You know, I'm getting my my Tyson's in here. I'm getting my uh, Jarrett Patterson. So uh, nice to uh, to close out the best ball year here. All right, so let's talk about our guys. Pete's sort of talking about his best ball guys, so I'm sure he's going to have some inklings, but we have to plan our flags. It became an industry trope last year that we sort of covered ironically on Splash Play, uh, giving our guys for the season, but I just feel like now we're legally required as fantasy analysts to do it, Pete. So um, you you didn't really get much notice here. I think I talked about it in advance uh, for us over text real quickly. So uh, you're going off the top of your head, Pete, but I'll let you get the first pick here in our in our guys' snake draft. Yeah, well, I feel like I can use, uh, you know, my exposures a little bit to help guide me. I mean, I've already put my my money where my mouth is with these guys. And, and my number one guy, I just did a bold prediction on him for uh, the Rotoviz podcast the other day. He's my most highly owned guy on underdog. It's Rondell Moore. It's rookie Rondell Moore. I feel like he's undervalued by about three to four rounds uh, based on how I think the Cardinals are going to use him this year. Loved everything I saw in the preseason. Love his prospect profile perfect fit for this offense. Love the Cardinals. So Rondell Moore is the number one, my guy for me this year. So I guess I was going to go a different direction because I have a very obvious, my guy that you could uh, (laughs) judge from the thumbnail. And I guess Pete, I did enjoy you putting Wayne Gallman on your competitive (laughs) thumbnail because we both do our own version of the splash play thumbnails. Yeah. I thought you would enjoy that. I mean, you know, talk about the ultimate clickbait, putting Wayne Gallman on your (laughs) thumbnail. (laughs) 
<laughs> I honestly was like, wait, who's 22 on the Giants? And I was like, oh, yeah, he's not even on the Giants anymore because there's really no accurate Wade Gallman screenshots for uh, his Falcons run, I guess, unfortunately. Um, but I'll take a rookie up top here. So you took a rookie. And the rookie for me is going to be Devonta Smith. And I know, you know, it's a high, a high draft pick coming in. But for fantasy football, you know, it doesn't always necessarily mean that you're going to have a guy coming in as a rookie who's going to have great production. But I like him being the wide receiver one. A lot of his numbers jumped out to me uh, from Bama last year. And, you know, Mac Jones, I think, to me, I said it during our draft show. I still feel it now. I think he's a system quarterback. I think he's more fortunate. And I think Pat's fans are fortunate. It's going to be a good system for him to be in. But I think if he went to some of the other situations where maybe you're not as well coached, I would have had concerns for him. One thing he did, though, is put that ball in space for Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith, one of the elite yard after catch guys. I just think he's a monster, potentially, Pete. In an NFC East, that's going to be chock full of shootouts. Like Jalen Hurts, you know, not a great QB, but he just has to throw it somewhere and let Devonta get runs. And I think even if he's a low ADOC guy, I just like what he did, kind of just getting, you know, getting downfield time and time again last year for Bama. So to me, he's my rookie wide receiver, and I think it's not even close. Yeah, I like him. I, he's a guy, uh, I, I literally drafted him in both of my underdog drafts I did today. I found his uh, cost a little pricey earlier in the year, but his prices dipped a little bit. You know, when he got banged up in training camp, there has been kind of a nice buy opportunity. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like he can be kind of a, you know, 90% Keenan Allen type of guy, you know, where he doesn't necessarily have the exact build or, or measurables that we want. Uh, but we just know this guy is really, really good at creating separation, at getting open. And I think he doesn't have a ton of target competition uh, there in Philadelphia. So I'm, I'm with you on Devonta Smith. He's a guy that I've course corrected on in probably the past month. Yeah, and as a, some people out there might know from my Osmo days, somebody in the YouTube chat saying this guy looks like the guy from Osmo. I am, in fact, the guy from Osmo, if that person is not uh, just being sarcastic. But now you can know me as the guy from Edge Sports, where Splash Play will be moving over to starting next week, or not moving over to, but we're still going to be running on Peach Channel and all that. But um, if you know me for the past few years, you'll know I color code the shit out of all my sheets with conditional formatting on Excel just to have guys who are good. And I opened up the draft uh, stats export from PFF that we again talked about earlier this year for the draft. And Devonta Smith, I mean, hey, the PFF. F grade they gave him 95.6 pretty crazy but also like the yards after catch like it's all green like everything from his green the only thing that he didn't do great was he did have a few drops but for a guy who had a ton of targets like he did that's going to happen and that's just sort of my main case here for Devon Smith 4.4 yards per route run a low drop rate overall compared to the volume like he is a person that actually this might be the most interesting one uh, when targeted a 152.6 QB rating for Mac Jones when targeting Devonta Smith. So uh, there's a little more actual statistical data to back it up. Uh, I'll take the next pick an hour, guys, and I'm going to just go the obvious one, Pete. It's Mike Davis. I think there's a, a big chance that he's going to be a part of an Atlanta offense an Arthur Smith offense coming in that really great with play action, really good at using running backs. It's going to open things up for the pass game, but also just we know Derrick Henry was fed. I don't think Mike Davis is Derrick Henry, but I do think he can sort of be that guy in this offense. And I just like him a lot. And the one stat that jumped out to me in terms of avoided tackles, he was right in terms of guys getting actual volume right behind Nick Chubb in terms of being a top guy there. Um, the number's not perfect, but a 27% avoided tackle rate. So like, you know, on 27% of plays, he's avoiding at least one tackle there. Um, and that doesn't quite work out because he could avoid two on a play. So that's just sort of where I'm going with it. But it's still an elite number, Pete, for a guy who had volume. So I know you're going to shit on him. You're going to go a different direction. But Mike Davis has to be one of my guys this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, you're going to love that prediction for about three or four weeks. And then you're going to wish you could have a mulligan on that one. Uh, now, uh, by my second guy, I will do another wide receiver. All of my top eight, uh, most drafted guys are all wide receivers, but it's DJ Moore for me, you know, hate to go against our mascot here, splash play Bob. Uh, but DJ Moore, uh, there's so many things pointing in the right direction for him. He's been consistently good in different roles. Last year, they just kind of made him a downfield threat and had Robbie being the underneath guy. There's some interesting kind of a dot usage for him in the preseason where he was working far more underneath. Um, and I just like that he can work in all areas of the field. I feel pretty confident wherever they deploy him, he's going to be successful. And then without Curtis Samuel in town, I do think he is going to be able to work underneath a little bit more, use that yards after catch ability. So I drafted him on 21% of my teams, over one out of every five teams. I feel like if there's one guy in this range, you know, I like Cooper Cup. I like Tyler Lockett. I like Mike Evans. I like Godwin. But if any of these guys who are drafted around him can be like a mid second round pick next year, I think it's DJ Moore and I'm uh, happy to hitch my wagon to him.
Yeah, I, I like the pick there. I think he's certainly a guy that's worth planting flags for and certainly has been a productive player. As you mentioned, you know, getting a little more down the field in, in previous iterations. But you know, honestly, the one thing I was looking at a little bit today is Sam Darnold's numbers from last year are such a concern for me. And I'm hoping that, you know, Joe Brady, that this offense for the Panthers can sort of salvage what Darnold had coming into the league as, as a USC alum that I could certainly speak to. But um, I think that's the one risk point here is that Darnold might be shitty. But then maybe we get P.J. Walker, Pete, and I think that would also be fantastic for D.J. Moore. So um, I'm with you on it. Uh, Give me another hour, guys, since we are doing it snake draft style. Yeah, let's see. I mean, I do want to mix it up a little bit positionally. Maybe I'll come back to a wide receiver later in the draft, but I will do uh, my most drafted tight end, and that is Cole Komet, uh, second-year tight end on the Bears. I think there's a lot of things uh, going well for him. First of all, it was just his price. I mean, we kind of talked about with Irv Smith and uh, with Evan Ingram getting banged up, depending on how you feel about Gronk. There was basically like this dead zone for about 40 picks in the late rounds where there weren't a lot of attractive tight ends, and Cole Komet was a guy I kept gravitating to a lot. I think there's lots of ways he can get there this year. You know, just the fact that they don't have an established slot wide receiver who's kind of going to, you know, funnel up a lot of targets. I think he could realistically be the third target in that offense and, and maybe even eclipse Mooney in pure targets. Mooney will obviously get targets deeper down the field, but I think that's in the range of outcomes for him. And I just want to bet on Justin Fields being really good and bet on this offense really kind of taking a leap. So I love these young guys. Cole Komet, one of the youngest tight ends in the league last year. Uh, and I think this is a, a good spot for him if we're making a bet on Justin Fields. And I think too, even if it's not Justin Fields, like Andy Dalton's going to target that tight end pretty heavily too, because he's going to be terrified to throw it outside to get, you know, it's going to be a frustration point for Allen Robinson, I'm sure. And probably to people who also invested in Mooney, but I would say, you know, he's going to be getting targeted. I think no matter what the outcome is, I would agree. The offense is going to look better with fields, but I think it's a solid tight end guy and one that hopefully could have a little more upside than he's being drafted at. Um, I'm going to go. So this is a little bit more of a, an elite player, but Terry McLaurin's a guy I think takes the jump this year. And I think, um, to me, I think I feel like you can get to the top five wide receivers overall. I think maybe, you know, pushing wide receiver one overall is probably a little bit tough for him. But in this spot, I really think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to love throwing to him. I think Terry McLaurin, everything he does getting downfield, it was made to go with a guy like Fitzpatrick. The one concern I would have is that I think this Washington defense is going to be pretty good. And I've said that a few times. They were good last year, but having a lot of young players as well, I think, you know, that's just going to sort of put the trajectory where it's supposed to be. But as long as this offense is, you know, going to score, I think, you know, even if they do get just three quarters of it, I think McLaurin and two, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I would kind of lump into this one as well. I think this Washington offense is really exciting. We took Antonio Gibson, or I took Antonio Gibson in the draft that we did last best ball draft on Friday. But McLaurin to me is a real star here. And I think as long as Fitzpatrick is healthy and as long as we're not going uh, to a Taylor Heineke level of QB, I just like the spot for Terry McLaurin. Like this is when he makes the jump, I think. And it's sort of hard for me to see how he doesn't make the jump. I'm with you. Uh, I, I even feel like I should have drafted uh, more Terry McLaurin. I feel like he's the last of an elite tier of wide receiver where you could get him in the mid third round. And then I think there's a pretty, pretty big drop off to some of the other guys coming after him. Even as much as I love DJ Moore, uh, I, I still prefer uh, Terry McLaurin there. I think he is such a stud. And yeah, I think people are still discounting how big of an offensive upgrade Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to give this offense. I think they're going to be really fun and uh, McLaurin's going to be the biggest beneficiary. Yep. So I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you could agree on that after you just completely thrown water on poor Mike Davis and his beautiful quads over and over again. But I'll take another receiver here for, I guess, uh, before I give two to Pete in a row to close out his side of things, but Brandon cooks, and you can see, I guess with these, uh, these wide receiver picks, I'm getting the last two in particular. I, I have a type here. It is called splash play for a reason that we do this show, but Brandon cooks getting deep down field Nico Collins. I did get some time to dig a little bit deeper on player profiler. Not super impressed by the numbers there. He's going to be running a lot as the number two, but I just don't see him having the upside of a Brandon Cooks. If I'm wrong, you know, that could certainly happen. But I do think Cooks in the spot. He's a very clear cut wide receiver one in a team that's going to have to throw a lot. We got the news today. Tyrod Taylor officially going to start. If there was any question about that, all the Sean Watson will be an inactive, I guess, during games. Like, we'll see how that goes. But uh, Cooks to me just going to benefit from Houston being bad and having to throw down field and garbage time. Brandon Cooks bailing out, you know, uh, as a high owned DFS play seems probable to me. Best ball, though, I think Cooks is going to have weeks where he can win you the week or at least you know, make a big chunk on the overall outlay for your points totals. But I love Cooks, and I just like a, a good receiver who gets downfield with no real uh, you know, oppressive kind of uh, targets that are going to be there taking looks away from them. I think it all kind of grades out well for Cooks in a way where he'll be completely useless in real-life football. But for fantasy football, it's exactly what we want. Yep. Uh, I like Cooks. He's not a guy that I would go out of my way to draft. Like I wasn't 
drafting him ahead of ADP, but he was a guy I would always scoop up um, when he fell past ADP and uh, definitely was a guy I wanted as part of my portfolio. My concerns for him are just if the Texans absolutely implode. And then by the end of the season, they're just featuring the younger guys roll out Nico Collins, all this, because there's really no reason um, to be playing veterans in that scenario. That's my only concern from like the tournament perspective, but I do think, um, you know, getting wide receiver ones, Rich Rebar did a study about this, how, um, you know, wide receiver ones who are drafted after, you know, I think it was round five or six are generally pretty good bets. You know, your Kenny Galladay's injury aside, your, your DJ Charks, uh, even potentially some of these guys that might be getting lost in the shuffle to, uh, more sexy names, uh, I think are good. So yeah, I, I'm on board with Brandon cooks. He's been great. His whole career. He came into to the league the same year. Mike Evans did. I always think of those two guys as like the gold standards of just consistent production, uh, regardless their quarterback and situation. Yeah, two guys who get downfield, too. And as uh, our girl Blitz in the chat points out, Lovey Smith is with Houston now. So talking about sexy names, David <laughs> Cully bringing about all the big names for his Houston staff. But yeah, Lovey Smith is there. I don't think that's necessarily going to matter too much for a defense that no matter what you think of Lovey, I just think that the talent level is not the highest for uh, those folks overall. Pete, you got two two of your guys picks here to close it out. So who are going to be your final two, my guys slash our guys for 2021. Yeah, I'll keep doing one for the different positions. I'll do my uh, most drafted quarterback, a guy that we've debated on this show uh, many a times, Tua. And mm. uh, I'm excited about Tua. He was a guy whose price has been just pretty fixed in drafts all offseason, you know, kind of reliably there in the 13th, 14th round. Uh, it, it ends up, it's like a combination. I do like Tua, but it was also a product of I loved drafting Waddle and Fuller and Parker and Gesicki. And so when you like drafting those four guys and then going after all of them is Tua. I was kind of backdoored into that stack a lot. So by naturally liking that offense, uh, I found myself with a lot of Tua. I do think he's mispriced uh, by a couple of rounds and I think has a decent amount of upside. And he kind of has that proposition I want. Like, could he just not be good? Sure, that's within the range of outcomes. But I do think there is the chance that we or his year one was an anomaly and that he was banged up and he didn't have a full, you know, preseason and offseason to get caught up in the COVID year and stuff. So the team tailors the offense around him coming into this season. I'm very excited about the Dolphins and uh, Tua, even though they did release my guy, Patrick Laird. Uh, Davis and I were texting with Laird and he did tell us we didn't have to boycott the Dolphins. <laughs> so I am allowed to root for them still. Yeah, Tua, we, as you mentioned, we have debated him a little bit and I'm glad that Patrick Laird, did he catch on anywhere else? Is he like in the hunt for a practice he, squad? He he signed he signed on the uh, Dolphins practice squad, yeah. Oh, okay. So they're, oh, good. So he's still in the community. That's good. I, I'm glad that he's, he's going to continue to be a mascot, I'm sure, at some point this season uh, for everything that, that Pete loves and, and holds dear to his heart. Uh, Tua, you know, to our two of the credit, I think, of Pete and to some other people that, you know, made me look at him a little more closely. There are some positive signs here. Like he had a, only had a 1.3% interception rate in a clean pocket. That's not a bad stat. That's one that's coming from PFF. Um, he did also, you know, get decently uh, successful downfield more than I think I was sort of seeing in my head. He didn't throw it downfield nearly enough, only 2.9 attempts of over 20 plus yards. Uh, but still like he's, you know, if he does a little more volume there, 45% deep ball accuracy is not terrible. It's pretty close to league average. Deep ball rating of 77, uh, you know, QB rating on deep throws, not great, but it, there's room for improvement for a guy who's young. So I think I could be wrong about Tua. And I think really the biggest thing that I'm terrified for him is the East defensively should be sound. The Patriots being better. I think the Jets was solid. I think you're just going to be more competent across the board. Uh, there's some risk here. The Bills, I think, should be really solid. Still Tredavious White guy to be afraid of. Like, I think there's a lot of things that can go bad for Tua, but I get it. And I could be, a, I could have come up a little bit too harshly on him earlier in the year. So I'll, I'll admit that Pete, who's your last, my guy slash our guy. Yeah, let's do a, a running back. Um, my two most drafted guys aren't going to be my guys. Uh, one is Daryl Henderson. Uh, most of that, like 95% of that was pre acres injury. So that's just me uh, running very hot on that. The other one is Naheem Hines, who I still like a lot. I was drafting him way more earlier in the off season. Um, but I'm going to do Devin Singletary, my third most drafted running back this year. Uh, he was absurdly cheap for a stretch of the summer where he was going around like pick 150. He has popped up in about uh, the past couple of weeks now up at like pick 120 to 125. But most people's knock on Singletary and Zach Moss is just, oh, the Bills don't, you know, run enough. You know, they get snaked at the, uh, the goal line with uh, Josh Allen and how much they like to pass. I do think there's 
a lot of truth to how pass heavy they're going to be. But touchdowns in general, I think, are very random, and we can get in trouble when we predict how offenses are going to score points. And I just think this offense is going to score a ton of points. I think Singletary is going to be on the field a ton in that up-tempo offense, and I just want to bet on this offense scoring a lot of points. And I think naturally some of it's going to funnel through the running back position, and, and Singletary has been um, very elusive with the ball after the catch. I think he's going to catch a decent amount of balls. I think he's going to be able to break off some big plays and just at his cost i had a really hard time passing him up throughout uh the offseason drafts yeah i'm not sure i'm as big of a believer overall but i do think you're you're probably right that it just can't get much worse from in terms of touchdowns where you didn't even have a receiving touchdown last year you also only had 3.6 percent of the total team touchdowns uh, for a buffalo so pretty low numbers for a running back who was getting as much work as singletary did so i like i think conceptually you're probably right and josh allen's ascendance too uh sort of can make it so maybe the defense keys in on allen more so he can't can't get those runs. He can't get those plays that end up going a little more Singletary. I think there's some pathways there for him to be good. So I'm not going to fully crap on that one, even though not a guy who's totally on my radar, just out of the same Zach Moss fear that you were talking about. Um, for me, the final my guy, and I think this is a tough one because there are two guys that I do like, but I think one's more equipped to be fantasy friendly. Uh, Matt Stafford, I think, is going to be good, but I think the Rams defense is also going to be good enough that I don't know he's going to have the highest upside week to week, especially if that running game is humming. But Jameis Winston being back as a starting fantasy QB, I am intrigued by. I think it's a, there was a chance we could see an evolved Jameis Winston like a Pokemon where he's you know kind of getting to the final form of what they hoped he would be coming into the league with you know Sean Payton being in his head and in his headset uh, time and again. But even if he's not, he's going to be a very fun fantasy QB. We know he loves to get the ball downfield. We know he can run a little bit, but he's also not going to run so much like a Taysom Hill that it's going to take away from Alvin Kamara. And the Saints defense last year was really good. Like it was something where I was going through the football outsiders DVOA numbers. They were a top team. And I think I didn't sort of you know rationalize that in my head throughout the year. Uh, just even going through the sheets again, color-coded everything for the Saints defense is red. So Jameis doesn't have to do everything. I think he's still certainly going to make those bonehead mistakes. But when you have a defense that can bail you out, I think Jameis is in a really good spot for both real life and for fantasy. And I'm intrigued to see what happens with him because he's starting this year, Pete, with like really no weapons at all. But I, I for some reason, still have faith that he's going to make it work. And, you know, just he and Kamara in particular are going to make it work. Yeah, I mean, I think Winston is what Winston has always been, uh, an extremely volatile guy where we know he has just massive upside. To me, my concern is almost less about Winston and just more about the lack of weapons in that mm -hmm. offense. I mean, you know, we saw him with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and he was able to really make hay. I think going from that to Callaway and Tracon Smith, I apologize, Callaway stands is a, is a pretty big downgrade. Um, they don't have a, a lot going at the tight end position. They're going to be using Alvin Kamara a ton this year. So I do worry about Sean Payton, you know, basically trying to minimize Winston's, you know, potential um, you know, whatever proclivities for, for mistakes and turnovers <laughs> by kind of neutering the offense. But, uh, at his price, there's almost no risk because he's been going so late in drafts. And I do think there's a decent amount of upside. And then, you know, I always talk about in these tournaments, like we're trying to finish strong. I've been kind of out on Michael Thomas. Uh, but if he gets Michael Thomas down the stretch and Michael Thomas can just get his head on straight, uh, I think then, then we're really starting to cook with what Winston in this offense can do. Yeah, I think there's going to be, I'm with you. I think there's some volatility just because of the talent level. I do think Callaway is somebody we're probably going to uh, probably have to talk about today when we do the ride or die picks because he is a guy that could be a very highly owned DFS play, it looks like, due to his salary. But um, Saints offense intriguing, Saints defense intriguing, and the South, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a bounce back to earth for the Bucks. And there are some pathways, I think, for, for Jameis and the Saints to have success. So let's go uh, division by division, Pete, give our picks. And guys, if you're watching on Pete's channel or on the Splash Play channel, uh, make sure you hit that like button. It does help us out a bunch. And of course, subscribe because Splash Play will be going three days a week starting uh, next week. So keep your eyes peeled. We'll figure out the details and, um, and you know, figure out the edge sports component. My new employers that'll also be paying Pete. So we'll be uh, doing the show three days a week and, and incorporating some of their stuff a little bit more division by division, Pete AFC East. Who do you think wins it between the bills, dolphins, Patriots, and jets? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think, I think the bills are one of the best teams in football. I think they're going to put up an absurd amount of points. I do think uh, the dolphins could maybe challenge them if Tua is just really good, then I think they could be there. Um, but I think there's some stuff with the Dolphins offensive line and stuff that still makes me think they're maybe a year away of competing with the Bills. So uh, to me, this is pretty easy for the Bills. 
I think it's pretty easy for the Bills, too. I think the Patriots have a shot here to do something. I'm, I've been sort of intrigued by the moves that they made and showing up the tight end position. Clearly, they do love throwing to tight end. I think, uh, as we talked about last week, Damian Harris looking good. Ramondre Stevenson looking good. Like, there are some real pathways here for the Patriots to sort of get back to what we've expected from them historically. I'm sure the uh, humbling, too, or whatever humbling there will be of Belichick after Tom Brady wins Super Bowl, I think. Uh, they're live to me, and I think in terms of betting, I wouldn't mind taking the Patriots. But uh, for the Bills, I just find it hard to believe they're going to bar injury they're going to have a, a too tough of a pathway to be the the afc east winner afc west we got the broncos chiefs raiders chargers I, this one has to be the chiefs right Pete? i don't even know what the point of debating it yeah there's no point uh it's the chiefs i mean if there's any team though that could give them a run i think the chargers could be uh mm-hmm. really good um and you know divisional stuff uh can sometimes be wonky so if the chargers were able to you know sneak a couple past the chiefs uh i don't know that could maybe change their fortunes but yeah the chiefs are in a class of their own if you have any hot takes as well for all the folks in chat who are hanging out with us on Labor Day, feel free to drop them in. We'll give you a shout out too. If you, if you make a compelling case in, in one tweet's length uh, in the chat, we'll, we'll, we'll put it up here and we'll see what we can do with it. AFC North, Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers. I know the Browns getting a lot of love. I think Pete, and this might be uh, maybe a little bit hot takey, I think the Steelers are going to be the one that wins the North. Wow. Yeah. That is a hot take. I, I like what they're doing with Ben. I think Ben has a little bit left in him. I think, you know, they're trying to cater to him on the way out. We talked before about the wide receivers. You know, these guys are young, going to get better. Najee Harris is going to give them exactly what they want at running back, which I think you could sort of debate for fantasy, but for real life, I think that's, you know, a big part of it. And also to me, the thing too is Steelers blitz at a really high rate, and that's just going to give them a shot to win in sort of a volatility kind of way where you have a good offense, you have a team that's going to take risk and blitz a lot, but still, you know, be mostly competent defensively. I think the spot's here for the Steelers, and I think you know, COVID Lamar, I think is an issue for the Ravens. Uh, the Bengals are still too young to me. And I think there are some questions about that offensive line and the Browns. I don't know. Just not a Baker believer. I think they made great signings and great moves and all that, but I just, uh, I, it's gotta be a Steelers for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, um, the other team in contention with the Browns would be the Ravens. Although I'm a little less excited about them losing Dobbins. And I know hashtag running backs don't matter, but Dobbins does add an a very explosive element to their run game that I think he was going to really take advantage of. I love Rashad Bateman as well, but he's going to get off to a really slow start missing at least the first month of the season. So I feel like they're going to look a little bit more just kind of how they did last year, um, which is fine. And Lamar is good enough to keep them in games, but I don't know if they're a runaway division winner. I do like the Browns a lot. I think all the buzz about Odell Beckham is he's fully back. I think Baker Mayfield's going to have a bounce back year. They play well on both sides of the ball. They have the two best, you know, or the best backfield tandem in football in Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then, you know, last year too, they had a, a bunch of weird games with like the weird weather and the wind games and all this stuff. I think they're going to be a really balanced dynamic offense that can win in a lot of ways. And uh, I think they're the division champs here. Okay, I, that's a reasonable take as well as well. Gobbler in the YouTube chat, give him a shout out. It says the Browns will be Super Bowl champions. That's his flag planted. Um, look, I think there's certainly a world. They, they made the improvements on defense. The, the offense getting more time to gel together. If if like Pete's saying, Odell's coming back healthy. I mean, Pete, do you think the Browns have a realistic shot? I guess we could talk about that in our Super Bowl segment coming up. But do you think that's actually a bet that you would take? Yeah, I uh, we should pull up the uh, what do you do you have their uh, their Super Bowl? Yes, odds right now? they are. In fact, but, but, uh, so they are looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth best odds plus sixteen hundred. OK, yeah, I might throw a few shekels on that. I mean, obviously having to go through Kansas City or Buffalo is mm-hmm. no joke. But the way the Browns play football, I do think they can give those kind of offenses trouble. And I mean, we just saw it last year. I mean, the, the, the playbook on Mahomes is out, right? Like you get defensive line advantage on their offensive line, although it is much improved this year and you blitz the hell out of Mahomes, and he looks like drew lock, you know, if you're just getting constant pressure on him. So I do think the Browns could pull an upset, although it's just harder. Can they do both? You know, they'd have to knock off one of them probably in uh, the divisional weekend and then go through the other one in the championship. That's a tough road to sled, but I think they're, they're built to at least have a shot to do it. Yeah, I think they're an intriguing team. I, I think, you know, once you get to the playoffs, it's just you got to beat the Chiefs. And I, I agree that's sort of the tough part. But, you know, Mahomes, I think being injured down the stretch was something I wouldn't want to forget either from the playoffs last year where he was so banged up. Then you have the offensive line as well. And I guess uh, who was this guy in the chat? Uh, bu- 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 uh, PayPal my money DFS saying that the offensive line uh, might be a probable dumpster fire. I think they had to try something here. I know uh, Jeff Schwartz talks a lot, former lineman who does media stuff now, talks a lot about offensive lines needs time to get together and to sort of gel and 
you know, get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses and all that. And the Chiefs are not going to have that because they just overhauled everything, basically. So uh, it's a risk point. But I think at the end of the day, um, it's hard for me to see anybody unseating Mahomes. But we'll talk about that in a sec. One more AFC division. We got the, the star-studded AFC South. Texans, Colts, Jaguars, Titans. Uh, Pete, I will let you go first on this one. Who do you think wins the South? Yeah, this one is so gross. Um, it's really gross. I, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Titans, um, just because I think they have like the most continuity um, to what they were doing last year. Although I say that, and then they they don't have Arthur Smith. But um, as far as from a personnel grouping, they add Julio Jones, who I think can slide right in. And uh, you know, I, I'm excited about Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. Obviously, um, before all of the stuff with I guess I'm torn because I do like the Colts as well, but they've had their share of injuries and stuff too. Carson Wentz's whole unvaccinated status is is concerning. I feel like there's blow up potential on the Colts. So I'll say the Titans are, are my pick, but I, it doesn't feel great. Yeah, I would say for me, I also have the similar questions to you. I think the Titans are to pick to make. I think the Jaguars are live to me. I, I believe Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good quarterback. I think um, him coming in, you know, there's really nothing that jumped out in his college numbers where I'm like, wow, this is really worrisome. I think if anything, it would just be nice to see him press the ball downfield a little bit more from the things that that I value and think are important for a QB. But uh, besides that, I just think Urban Meyer coming in is going to clean up a lot of the warts of this Jaguars organization. And, um, you know, if, if you're a wrestling fan, also Tony Khan, the Khan family running hot, AEW doing well uh, so it's, it seems like it's it's all rising with the tide here so the titans seem like the safest bet but i do think the jaguars i'm intrigued by them and i'm intrigued too by just them having you know real adults in the room and people with a vision of what they want to do and and the urban meyer boost like the man has won everywhere he's been i feel like sometimes people kind of under forget that because he's maybe historically not been the most wonderful human being and a bit of a, a heart attack phony and other stuff i don't know uh <laughs> nfc east pete we got the cowboys giants eagles and washington uh, obviously I am still a Cowboys fan as painful as that may be, but I think Pete, this is a Washington football team division. I think that defense is too good. We talked about Fitzpatrick, McLaurin, my belief there, Antonio Gibson being better, like Cowboys can win this. I think that wouldn't be crazy. And maybe Joe judge kind of gets the giants where they need to go. But I think the Eagles, obviously the Eagles are probably not the one that you would want to see win. but Washington Pete's my pick. Are you with me? Or are you going somewhere else? Man? Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I do think Washington is just the best all around team. I mean, their defense is going to be really good this year. Uh, I think they have all the tools now on offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, being able to kind of give them an element to their offense that they didn't have. So they're the most balanced team. The Cowboys still have just the potential for the most insane offense. But if we're talking, you know, uh, who can make a really deep run in the playoffs here. Um, give me, give me uh Washington. I, I think they can eat this out uh, even over the Cowboys and the Cowboys, as we know, like Dak says he's a hundred percent, but if there's any kind of Dak missing time, like it's done, like you need Dak really delivering and balling out for, for them to uh, deliver here. Yeah, I think the offense, really that offense being so high powered is the one thing you're looking for, but the defense, you know, is just going to be not great. And I think they've made some bad signings. There are some bad moves. Like I, I have a real concern there that, you know, Washington, me having a competent defense, having an offense, I could take advantage of these other, um, I really not strong defenses in the e NFC East. I think, um, for me too, especially in this division, taking the overs early on seems like a pretty wise move. NFC West Cardinals, Rams, Niners, Seahawks. I think the Niners are kind of intriguing, but it has to be the Rams for me, Pete. I think that defense is Super Bowl winning defense. Potentially Stafford being there is going to get uh, Sean McVay can finally unlock his entire playbook of what he wants to do. Uh, I think the Rams are really tough to beat, but I, I feel like knowing you, you might go a different direction. Well, I, I think this is by far the best division in football. Any of these teams could win the division, and I wouldn't be shocked um, now that the Rams and the 49ers are getting, you know, what we think to be pretty massive quarterback upgrades, you know, Trey Lance eventually over Garoppolo Stafford coming in over Goff is huge. And then of course, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, two of the, you know, top seven quarterbacks in the league. So this division can go any which way. I agree with you. I think the Rams again are going to be the most balanced because you take an already really good defense and then you add Matt Stafford to kind of unlock the potential of those weapons. Uh, I think they're going to be very tough to beat this year.
Yandarell Henderson, yeah, running back too, I think is going to be a solid player. I think Sony Michelle certainly, um, I wouldn't say reviled for his New England stint, but he was like an okay running back, just you know, bleeding the clock, doing those things. So um, I'm not going to be mad at the seam, and I think in anything, in any of the moves they've made either, uh, especially you know, dealing with some injuries. So uh, it would have been nice if they had Cam Akers, but I think they're still pretty well equipped to to make it work because the defense is a star here, and just having Stafford and competent QB plays the whole thing. Do you know what might honestly be better? Like, and <laughs> this maybe this is a galaxy brain take. Um, but we know passing is more efficient than running the ball. And we know the Rams have the personnel to be very, you know, proficient in the air, like losing acres. If it forces them to be more pass heavy, uh, that might just be good for the offense. You know, acres was a guy. I think they felt comfortable with golf. Like let's get the ball out of Goff's hand and let acres run the ball 25 times a game. But if this pushes them to just like letting Stafford air it out and playing up tempo, it, it could just be better for them. Yep, I agree. And, you know, there are enough studies out there, enough analytics people that have mentioned, you know, I know Warren Sharp beats the drum the most, but passing more is going to be better for your team for the most part, you know, barring some different uh, situations that are going to be a little more plus EV to run. And I, I agree, you know, forcing the ball downfield a little bit more, just, you know, really to me, it's unlocking Sean McVay and just unlocking all stuff that he's been probably terrified to do with Jared Goff. And um, and we even saw a little bit with John Wolford last year that he was clearly enjoying doing something different at QB. And I will see how that goes. Uh, next division up, we got the NFC North, another tough one, Bears, Lions, Packers, Vikings. Um, I think if the Bears started Justin Fields, you could have talked me into taking that bet, Pete, but I think this has to be a Packers one. I, they really haven't gotten worse. They've seemingly appeased Aaron Rodgers, though maybe some of that stuff in the offseason could portend worse. And you know, the Vikings are going to be good, but I do think the Packers, they were a Super Bowl team last year, a Super Bowl caliber team last year, even though they didn't get there. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Packers uh, are going to be back. I mean, you know, the whole thing last year, Rodgers seems like he's kind of, push past all of this stuff and is, is ready to play without this, you know, chip on his shoulder against the, the franchise and whatnot. MBS reportedly having the camp of his life. I, I still couldn't believe it as I wrote up the newsletter, like every day there was some other MBS blurb. So like, if there's any truth to that and now you're adding, you know, a, a revamped MBS along with uh, Adams. And I mean, their running backs are awesome. I mentioned Chubb and hunt, you know, being the best one to punch, like, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon could easily be right there with them. I'm, I'm very hype on AJ Dillon. So yeah, they're going to be very good. Um, and I, I, I just can't see any of these other teams unless Justin Fields is just out of this world. I can't really see them being challenged. And also, you know, Randall Cobb, I know not the sexiest addition, but it clearly was meaningful for Aaron Rodgers to have him in there. And he was still a guy, you know, even amidst Houston, not being great last year, though, they're definitely better than they're going to be this year. Uh, but Deshaun Watson, you know, 81% ca uh, catch rate for Randall Cobb last year. Like he was involved, you know, probably more than you'd like to see for a team that clearly wasn't going anywhere. But um, I think to me, the Packers made enough improvements where I don't see how somebody else catches them again, barring injury. And the last division here, the NFC South, we have Mike D Davis and the Falcons. We have the Panthers. We have the Saints. We have the Bucks. Pete, who would you choose between those four teams? I mean, you're not going to go with Matt Ryan and the Falcons, Calvin Ridley and the Falcons, Kyle Mike Davis and the Falcons. Falcons. Yep. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> the one up top. He's uh, they're the pips, and he's Gladys Knight. They're doing like the team programs that they give out. Uh, you know, to and Spags like just put Mike Davis on the cover every time. That's what <laughs> we need. Um, to me, it's the Bucks. Uh, I think there there's a lot of talk out of their camp that they're even way more comfortable in this offense now that uh, they all have a year of it underneath their belt. Uh, I was writing about them in the newsletter the other day, just that we haven't talked about them a ton because they're not very sexy. And from a fantasy standpoint, like there's none of these breakout players that we're kind of curious to see how they do. Like we know who Evans and Godwin are. We know who Brady is. We even know who Ronald Jones is. We know who Gronk is. So there's not a lot of uncertainty here, but I think they could just be a highly efficient machine. And uh, as long as Brady uh, still has it, uh, I think they're going to be very, very good. I think the South is an interesting division. Like I do think all these teams are going to be a little bit better than people expect, especially if Darnold was, you know, mostly being impeded by the Jets situation and Adam Gase in particular ruining him. Um, I think that team could also be live, but I'm with you. The Bucks are a class ahead. They are uh, one of the top odds teams to win the Super Bowl this year for pretty good reason. And it's hard to see how they wouldn't be in this mix. Um, even though I like, again, these teams are going to be feisty, I think in the division, but I just don't see how Tom Brady and company, um, they, they're going to know even better what to do this year. They clearly shored up some weaknesses down the stretch. So uh, we'll see 
see how it goes, but I think they are an easy NFC South winner. And then the Super Bowl odds, top five, got Kansas City Chiefs plus 450, Bucks plus 700, the Bills plus 1100, the Rams plus 1200, the Baltimore Ravens plus 1400. And Pete, I think we're going to be on the same page that we think the Chiefs are probably the most likely winner here. Obviously, they're a favorite for good reason. So out of the top five odds getters there, we have the Chiefs, Bucks, Bills, Rams, Ravens, some better odds for the guys down the board. Which bet would you take? Um, I don't, I think I came around on this Browns take. I do okay. really like the Browns as far as from like a, a cost adjusted for what my payoff would be here at plus 1600. Um, when this show's over, I might have to go toss a few shekels down on the Browns. I think the Browns are an interesting choice. I would take the Rams for me plus 1200. I think I sort of extolled the virtues there, but a quality defense, even if it's, you know, defense, not a sticky year to year. I think just having, you know, two major talents there, Aaron Donald, and also having a Ramsey in the secondary, like that's, those are two things you could really bank on just getting, getting pressure up the middle, being able to hopefully do a little better run defense as, Don, as Donald has kind of shown the ability to do hopefully down the stretch of last year. And then also, you know, having Ramsey being able to shut down one receiver, like those are really valuable things to kind of construct a game plan as well as the offense being better. So I I would take the Rams bet, but I do think uh, the Chiefs seem like the most likely winner. And Pete, now we have gotten through the entire preview. So first of all, if you guys are watching on YouTube, hit that like button if you can. And then second of all, Pete, let's give the rules for ride or die because we are back doing ride or dies for one more year. Uh, this one, first one will just be me and Pete, but tell them all the details, all the various machinations we came up with in the first season of ride or die picks. I should have checked with Willis ahead of time. If Willis is going to help us out as our accountant, uh, <laughs> hopefully please Willis, please let's pray to <laughs> the altar of Willis right now. So this, uh, the, the format of this is, Spags and I have uh, one pick from each. Did we do each game or each team? Each game. Um, right? We do each game. Yeah. Yeah. Each game. And the pick can virtually be anything. Uh, it could be, you know, a player to score X amount of DraftKings points. It could just be a money line bet. It could be the over under. It could be a prop yardage bet, basically whatever you want. And then the points are assigned based on how aggressive you are. So the way I always thought about it is if you do like a 50, 50, type of proposition that would be a one pointer. You know, if you take a spread bet or the over under in one of those sides, if you get a little more ballsy, you know, like let's say a guy's projected for 15 DraftKings points and you say he goes over 20 to me, that's a three pointer. So you're getting a little more aggressive there. And then the true hail Marys, the ones where I would say Darius Slate will be the leading wide receiver on the slate. Those are 10 pointers. And part of the charm of this, and it took Spags a while to realize the charm of this is us haggling <laughs> over how much each one of these picks are worth. Spags likes to do little bunny layups by the hoop, and I'm just from half court yelling buckets. <laughs> well, I guess actually it would be worth noting what the records were last year because I don't think I have that handy right now. Um, oh, but bummer. I do. Let me see if I can find them because I think <laughs> no, they're in we're here. good. We're no, I think good. they're in here. So I, I got it, Pete. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so last year, um, and this is this is where the, the ride or die picks does. I don't love this part. Uh, the wins and losses. We have Pete. Last year, you had 57 wins, 202 losses. <laughs> but collectively, <laughs> you had 100. doesn't matter. I, you collectively had 143 points. I had 68 wins, 191 losses, but because I was more strategic about my points, I got 229 points. And overall, I was a season-long winner. Yeah, there you go, Willis, verifying as our accountant as well right now. Uh, but yeah, ride or die picks, a lot of fun. And then we'll have our guests on uh, usually, and we'll have them do the ride or die picks as well. And uh, we had some good showings last year. I feel like Sal had a good showing if I'm remembering. And there was, there was one other person who like, I think stomped us real bad, but I forget who it was. Was it a reef? It might have been a reef. It might yeah, have been a reef. He, I remember so a couple of those guys crushed. Uh, it was fun too because some like Ian. I remember Ian got caught up in my like hot take, like just absurd <laughs> hot takes. I was like, yeah, let's go. Uh, so it's a it's a real push and pull. Um, I feel like you kind of abused the spirit of the competition this year, and hopefully you loosen up and shoot some half quarters. All right, so let's go. We're going to go game by game here. First one up, Thursday night football. Dallas, a seven and a half point dog. Might be an eight point dog, uh, depending on the books you're looking at. Going into Tampa Bay. And uh, Pete, I'll let you get first crack here. It will be a showdown one, so we can make a captain pick if you want to do that. You can make a spread pick. Whatever you want to do, the world's your oyster for the season opener. Wow. The season opener here. Um, I, I with, with Gio Bernard's uh, ankle sprain right now and me just always wanting to bet against Leonard Fournette, I'm going to say Ronald Jones just runs buck wild in this game. And I'll say he is your, your winning captain uh, on DraftKings. 
Ooh, okay. A running back captain. I will still take a wide receiver captain as I usually like to do uh, for these DraftKings style showdowns. And for me, that means Mike Evans, showdown captain for that one. I think it's a two touchdown game for Mike Evans, uh, strafing a Dallas defense that should have very little to offer. Next game up, Chargers 22.8 implied points. Washington 21.8 implied points. So they're a one point dog uh, at home, which I, I'm surprised by. Um, and this one, Pete, I will back it up, though. I do kind of have some fear of the Chargers defense, but I will back it out with Terry McLaurin. I'll say Terry McLaurin, a hundred yards in a TD. How many points is that? A hundred yards in a TD would be 17 plus the whatever PPR point. Oh, no, I mean, in, in, in our ride or die. I mean, would that be a three pointer? Oh uh, yeah. A hundred yards in a TD is a, is a three pointer. I mean, he's projected for yeah, like 15 median projection points. So yeah. I, I think that's a three. Yeah. Osmo's got him a little, actually Osmo has a, has Curtis Samuel higher projected than Terry McLaurin, which I'm surprised by, but no, no, you can't do that. That is, that is a spicy take from all Osmo. And of course I will be using Osmo data. Actually, Pete, you want to give some disclosures about what data you're using too? Cause I know you have the run to Sim stuff. You have, um, just so people know, cause I feel like, I don't know, it should be nice. We should just reveal yeah, our no, sources. I, I literally have what I'm looking at on my screen right now is the run the Sims, uh, screener here. So that's what I'm looking at for projected points and points per dollar and stuff like that. And I'll be using Osmo projections, Osmo ownership projections and pulling data from PFF uh, pro football reference and um, also football outsiders, which I actually do anyway. That's where I get my pace stats and I'll be incorporating some more too. Once I figure out how to, how to rework my sheet and get a little time to do that. Uh, Pete, but for you chargers in Washington, what do you want as a ride or die pick? Um, let's see here. Uh, this would, would you give me th three? So uh, Justin Herbert's salary is 6,700. Ryan's Fitzpatrick's salary is 5,500. Would you give me a three-pointer for Fitzpatrick outscores uh, Herbert? Um, I'll give you a three-pointer for that. Yeah, I think that's okay. fair. Um, it's, yeah, tough, tough matchup. I think both defenses, this could be a game where, honestly, the low total maybe also says it, but uh, maybe a little more of a defensively sound game than we're giving credit for by picking all offensive players. But uh, next game, Eagles 22.5 implied points. Atlanta Falcons 26 implied points. Falcons a favorite. You know what that means, Pete? Two touchdowns for Mike Davis. Is that a 10-pointer, would we say? Yeah, I'll give you a 10-pointer for that. <laughs> okay, I love it. Um, and just, just to confirm for blitz. Yeah. When we use fantasy scoring, we are generally using DraftKings full point mm -hmm. PPR for, uh, and the, obviously the, um, the yardage bonuses and stuff as well, uh, count for that. So yeah, we're, we normally use that as our default. Yep. Um, okay. You're going Mike Davis. Um, God, I, I want to just get equally spicy and just <laughs> leverage your Mike Davis bullshit. Let's Calvin say, Ridley four no, touchdowns. You give me okay. I'll do. I want a ten pointer. Um, Wayne Gallman outscores Mike Davis. <laughs> oh, that is. I will say that again. The Osmo projection here fourteen point one fantasy points for Mike Davis. So not great, but certainly not bad. Uh, Wayne Gallman projected for three point one fantasy points. So this would be an incredibly upsetting win for you. Um, this is. You know what? I felt right at the start of this segment. I was like, all right, I'm not gonna dick around. I'm gonna try to get a good record, and immediately. <laughs> immediately I go back on my bullshit and say, wake up, let's get out, score Mike Davis. But it will feel so good if I'm right. If you are right, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic 10-pointer to you have. You are dead. Like, you will not be able to show your face on this stream if I am right. Oh, I will laugh through the tears, I think, Actually, if that somehow can, happens. Can I, Greg is right. How about, can I take the field of Falcons running backs? Uh, what are the, isn't Wade Gallman the only running back anyway? Yeah, no, Cord I want some Cordell Patterson action okay. in there too. Sure, yeah, if, if Cordell Patterson ends up the workhorse back, then fine. You can also have that if he outscores, if he outscores Mike Davis through like a special team touchdown and some other bullshit, I'm going to be so upset. <laughs> but I'll say that now. Jacksonville, 22 or 23.8 implied points going into Houston as a three-point favorite. So early buy-in on Vegas for Jacksonville. And um, I will say in this game, Pete, I think James Robinson scores over 20 DK points. Is that a, is that a 10 pointer? Uh, over 20. Yep. Yeah. I think that is, I I'm seeing his baseline projection at 11.45 over 20 is definitely a three pointer. Okay. So hopefully Carlos Hyde doesn't screw that up. Like Wayne Gallman might for Mike Davis, who would be your pick in the Jags and Texans. So I think everyone, and this is this is really weird for me to say as uh, you know, one of the world's biggest LaVisca Chenault fans. Um, Chenault's gonna be popular. Marvin Jones is gonna be extremely popular at 3,600. I will say that uh will you give me uh three points? DJ Chark outscores both Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think, yeah, the projections actually do have uh, Osmo again. LaVisca has a higher projection than Chark and uh, Jones only 10 fantasy points from Osmo, which I'm a little surprised by, but I think that's a fair one. Yeah, uh, Chark. Yeah. Chark, I think uh, the one thing I will say, Colin Johnson getting released, I feel like I felt the most confident about Chark than we did all offseason when I saw that one. Yeah, that, that was very bullish for Chark. And I think he that Chark has just been one where people kind of got anchored to those early reports. He was injured. Urban Meyer was saying he played soft, yada, yada. And now a lot of things have kind of changed since then. And I, I think Chark is going to be uh, ready to roll. I would also say, too, with these two defenses and maybe Urban Meyer coming in changes the equation a little bit as well as, I guess, Lovey Smith coming in as a defensive coordinator for Houston. But these teams, like looking at the numbers, this game kind of screams shootout to me, which the Vegas total doesn't. So maybe that's because uh, these guys just aren't that good offensively. But um, I'm going to have some stacks this game, I think, going into week one, because that's uh, that's something I'll prioritize because both defenses on paper look like two of the worst defenses in the league from last year. Uh, next game up, we got the Niners, 26.3 implied points. Detroit, 18.8 implied points. Uh, Pete, I'll let you get the pick of the litter here. Uh, um, you know what? I will say, I think Raheem Mostert just has a massive game. I'll, I'll take Raheem Mostert over 20 DraftKings points here at 5,800. I like that one. I think that's a really strong pick, but I will, I'll leverage against that. I will say Brandon Ayuk. Um, what, what can I get it as a 10 pointer for Ayuk? So he's 5,700. I will say a 10 pointer for him would probably be over 25 points. Okay, I'll say over 25 fantasy points for Ayuk. I think he has two touchdowns on 100 yards, so that's about 25 anyway. There you go. Uh, right. Lou with a pretty good suggestion here. Detroit under 10 points. <laughs> Detroit. Yeah, Detroit might have a tough time here with Jared Goff going against the tough Niners defense and uh, uh, Terrell Williams as the wide <laughs> receiver one. Detroit might go like... Uh, I guess two and 15 might be the new metric, but they could, they could go over defeated. I guess they could go winless and it wouldn't shock me. It's going to be a tough scenes for Jared Goff all year. I can tell you that. Yeah, he is boy. He did not like being pressured on the Rams and he is going to deal with a lot of pressure in every possible sense as a lion, uh, Arizona, 24.5 implied points going against Tennessee, 27.5 implied points. We're going to one spicy take from Lou in the chat as well. Derek Henry, less than 60 rushing yards. I don't know that I see that going against Arizona though. Um, I guess, you know, maybe they made some improvements, but a 126 rushing average per game allowed last year. Um, yards per carry number is also pretty high. 4.6. I think to me, Pete, I would take Derek Henry, what's uh, what's a reasonable three-pointer for Derek? I don't think I need to shoot for the moon with a 10-pointer for Derek Henry. So I'm seeing his baseline projection at 21.36. What does Osmo have it at? 22.5. Okay. Um, You want a three-pointer for him? Um, I'd say over 26 points. Okay. Uh, uh, would you give me 25 for him? 25 and a half. <laughs> 25 all right over 25 and a half for three points it is <laughs> that's that's the haggling that people tuned in for for the ride or die <laughs> i mean i'm not just gonna go back i mean i i was gonna say 25 i got a little greedy said 26 you could tell i was getting a little greedy and we found a happy video <laughs> That's really that shows everything about this show in <laughs> one two sentence structure. There, who would be your pick between the Cardinals and the Titans? Um, so I, what would you give me? What do your projections have? Edmonds versus Connor. Um, let's see. So Osmo has Edmonds twelve, uh, Connor eight point eight. Okay, will you give me three for Connor over Edmonds in uh, DK points? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's okay. a fair one. Um, I, I'm certainly hoping it is more Edmonds. We talked about him during the last best ball draft. And, and also, uh, since I am just really citing these Osmo projections without, without working there anymore, make sure you go to Osmo.com slash join. They do have the best data for fantasy sports out there that I find. Of course, run the Sims doing a great job too, but go support both of them. And then, you know, honestly, average out the projections. If you're really playing it smart, that's definitely uh, one thing you can do if you got the money to do it. Uh, Pittsburgh, 21 implied points. Oh boy. Vegas, not giving me a lot of faith here for Pittsburgh to start Buffalo, a six and a half half point favorite here 27.5 implied points and uh pete i'll let you go first yeah uh let's see here i mean i i just want to bet on just absolute bills explosion here what if what would you give me for all three of the bills wide receivers score over 15 DraftKings points um all three score over 15 so, so we're uh, wait so this which three though uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> okay, how about this? I get th I get three out of the four to score over 15 three-pointer. Yeah, okay, that's a fair three-pointer. Okay. Um, all right, for me, I will say... Oh boy, I am rushing touchdowns. Um, I'll say that Najee Harris has two touchdowns in this game. Is that a three? Is that a ten? That might be a ten, right? Uh, 
give me so two touchdowns. Yeah. It's like a seven, but <laughs> say how many, how many add a, add a yard element to it as well. Uh, well, what, do we want to see the Najee Harris prop bet market and see where that is? Because uh, I, I would like that to be fair. I feel like 70 yards and two touchdowns would be my my pick. I don't I, think he gets to 100 against Buffalo. Yeah, it's just like it's such in it's in that middle ground between there. I feel like I feel like for it to be a 10, he needs to get 100 yards and two TDs. I'll, I'll give you uh, 100 yards. And what about just 20 fantasy points? 20 fantasy points is three. Ooh. All right. He's projected for 15. Yeah, no, yeah. No, I, I see him at 14 from Osmo. All right. Uh, you know, I'll just take the 10 point. I or take the three pointer right now. Over 20 fantasy points, I feel like seems fair. Hopefully he gets a few targets. I think yeah. that's reasonable. Come right. on. See, this is the thing for for some reason. Could we change our arbitrary <laughs> scoring threshold? Sure. Will we? No. No. And instead, <laughs> we need to have these pained conversations when something doesn't <laughs> fall between a three and a ten. That's uh, that's half the joy, I think. It honestly, I have it's to say, so you, you know how much I pushed back initially with the this concept, and it really has won me over over time because we're just like kids, like playing a game in a backyard where you make the rules up as you go. But like, there is a structure still, which I think I like. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much our accountant Willis likes it, but uh, we're having a blast. <laughs> Uh, New York Jets, 20 implied points going into Carolina, 25 implied points for Carolina. So they're a five point favorite. And um, I guess I'll go first in this one. And oh, man, did they shore up the Jets defense that well would be the question for me. But, uh, you know, I'll take Robbie Anderson revenge game, 100 yards and a touchdown. Is that what? what is that points wise? 100 yards and a touchdown. How many catches is he getting in there? Because that's 17 points plus another three for the the bonus on 100 yards, 200 plus, I don't know, six or seven catches. That's putting him at 25 or 26 points. Okay, so I'll say, okay, you know what? I'll say Robbie Anderson over 25 fantasy points for a 10-pointer. Okay, that's a 10-pointer. Um, okay. I will say, hmm, hmm. <laughs> I want to do something with the Jets. I think the Jets are fun. Um, what will you give me? Uh, Zach Wilson finishes. No, that's too spicy. You guys say QB sp- top five. I was going to say it. I like you, it. I, I, I think 10 that's a 10 pointer. That? All right, let's do it. Give me 10 for Zach Wilson. <laughs> top five QB. I think it's a good environment going against Carolina. They allowed a 68% completion rate last year. Gave up a lot through the air. I think uh, Zach Wilson, we always looked good too. Uh, you've been a fan. You, you've been a best ball guy for Zach Wilson. So yeah, I think it's a good 10-pointer to start out with. And honestly, I think might be the best shot at a 10-pointer you have. Don't say that. All my <laughs> shots are great. Um, Blitz, if your prop goes way over, no extra points. It, it is just the point. There is no, you know, points bet-esque, you know, scaling to how right you, it's the victory laps you get on the show that are worth more. That's true. It's really an emotional boost is that you get if you're really, really right. And then you, and then you know to really be more aggressive next time and shoot for a 10-pointer instead of a three-pointer or a one-pointer. Uh, Seattle, 25.5 implied points going to Indianapolis, 23 implied points for them. And, um, I, I guess uh, Pete, you can pick first. Um, let's see here. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have twenty-five plus DraftKings points. Okay, so I'll, I'll leverage against you here. What do I get for Carson Wentz three hundred yards and three touchdowns? Three hundred yards and three touchdowns. Um, that would be all right. That's that's a ten pointer. Okay, I'll take it. I, I, I'm glad you gave me a ten pointer. That it feels lofty, but then I think once you think through it, it's like it's really not that lofty. Well, you're giving me a ten pointer on Taylor, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, what is is Marlon Mack on the roster? By the way, he is, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, I feel good about that one. Now, you could have that ten pointer as Marlon Mack scoops away seven touches. Um, <laughs> it's Minnesota. Twenty five point eight implied points going into Cincinnati. Twenty two point three implied points. Minnesota, pretty big favorite on the road. Pete, what do you want in this game? You know what? I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go to my uh, betting side here. Uh, I think Cincinnati is going to be better than people expect. And I, I don't know. I'm not that high on the Vikings. I'm going to say Cincinnati money line here for a three-pointer. They're plus three and a half. So I'm going to take the money line. Cincinnati wins this outright. Actually, I do like that call. Um yeah, I don't even know what's a leverage against you here, but I, I guess I'll just take Minnesota to cover just to, just to try to, like, I think you made a good pick. 
but I think it's what it's what has to be done to see where see where people are going to get the how this game goes pretty fast. I think. Yeah, it's it's really about spite. Blitz, Blitz says, "I want the points. Fuck the fame." I mean, what if the points are the fame and the fame is the points? You know, it's all intertwined Ooh. here. Very paradoxical there. Green Bay, 27.3 implied points. New Orleans, 22.8 implied points. And Pete, I'll, I'll scoop you on this one. I'll take Saints to win this one outright. Is that a 10-pointer? Because they are a pretty decent favorite at home, or underdog, rather, at home. No, they're, they're plus four and a half. I just took Cincinnati plus three and a half for three points. You're not getting seven extra points because of one more. <laughs> Fine. All right. I'll take it as a three-pointer. New Orleans to win outright. Um. Okay. Then what do I want to do here? Maybe I just need to buy in to the MVS hype. Maybe I just need to give way to that um, in a dome, in a dome, no less in a GPP Marquez Valdez Scantling at 3,700. What, what is awesome? I've been projected for RTS has him at four points. Let's see. Uh, he's not even on my top wide receiver, top three receivers. So let me go down here. Uh, 4.3. All right. So will you give me a 10 pointer for over 15 points? Um, yeah, I'll do it. I would have liked if you went outscores Devonte Adams. I think that would have been more fun. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> Fair enough. Denver, 22.3 implied points. Giants, 19.8 implied points. This one, this one could be ugly, Pete. And, um, I'll just take, you know what? I'll take the over. I think the line is low enough that I'll take the over for just a one pointer here. You know what? I, uh, I just, uh, placed a bet on this and I logged this on Betsperts, my official bet mm. tracking partner for the year. Um, so run the Sims had a good, uh, tweet, uh, about this game, looking at the odds calculator. So giants at plus plus one forty-five. uh, ESPN right now, giving them a 53% chance to win. So a hundred dollar bet. Um, the EV calculator on that is putting it out at, uh, just about $30 of EV on that bet saying it should be closer to, um, uh, you know, a minus 110 or, or plus 110 situation. So getting some extra um, juice on that plus 145 looks good in a true coin flip. So I'll take the Giants here, plus 145. Okay, and actually I'm, I'm looking at Edge Sports, my official bet. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many bet trackers out there. To be clear, I'm not tracking my bets at all. Uh, but they do have, Edge Sports has the over-under on this one as over 47 compared to a, a consensus books one of over 42. So um, that's I, that makes me feel good about my pick with Edge Sports, but uh, we'll talk more about how they get their stuff in the coming weeks. Are you sorry? Uh, are you taking over? Yeah, um, over forty two. Over forty two. Okay. Uh, Costanza says that the over under should be closer to twenty two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we all see it in different ways, and I think that's the beauty of football. We can we'll find out who's right come Sunday. Cleveland, Pete's Super Bowl winning team, twenty three point <laughs> three implied points. Going into Kansas City, twenty nine point eight implied points. Pete, so a six and a half point dog will be your Browns, your Super Bowl champion Browns. What do you want in this game? Let's say, you know, I've been talking about Odell Beckham's renaissance. Let's just come out hot right here. Let's say Odell Beckham outscores Tyreek Hill. Okay. Okay. I like where you're going with that one. I will say for me, I'll say Travis Kelsey outscores both Tyreek Hill and Odell Beckham. Um, That's a, that's a three pointer. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take. I that. mean, he's I like projected it. to outscore both of them, but the odds of him doing it to both it becomes uh, less. So that's a three yep. pointer. Yep. Okay, I, I, I like that. I think that's a very fair three pointer. Miami twenty point three implied points. The last game of the main slate on Sunday, and then we'll do Sunday night football real fast. Uh, New England getting twenty three point three implied points. And um, I don't know, Pete. What do you possibly want in this game? I better. I actually, I guess it has to be two. It doesn't. It? Uh, sorry, Miami, New England, right? Yep. Yeah, um, sure. Should I stay on brand with Tua? Um, man, these division games can always be a little gross, especially against New England. Uh, man, everyone in this game is so cheap. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's like not one single uh, guy who is over 6,000 here. Uh, Gaskin is the most expensive, it looks like. Um, sure, let's say Tua. I don't know. Will you give me three points if he's a top 10 quarterback? On the, on yeah, the week. yeah, I'll allow that. I, I don't believe very much in him, so I think that's reasonable by my standards. And I'll say for me, um, okay, would it be a 10-pointer if Nelson Aguilar is the top-scoring pass catcher amongst every player in this game? The top-scoring pass catcher among everyone? Yeah, yep. that's a 10-pointer. There's enough on the uh, the Dolphins. Enough. Yeah, that's that's 10. 
Okay, this is going to look bad when Jacoby Myers ends up being the target hog and everything, but Aguilar just scoring so many touchdowns for the Raiders last year seemed odd in a way that's always been the case in his career. And again, a USC guy, so I can uh, sort of give the historical reference for him too. But um, Aguilar, I don't know, I'm intrigued by what he's going to do here and everybody's going to go to every other player on the Patriots. Actually, honestly, the ownership, Pete, looks like nobody's going to play a single player from this game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm kind of interested in some of the cheap dolphins. I mean, Waddle without Fuller is uh is pretty mm. interesting to me. Um, but we'll see. It's always tough playing a rookie. Uh, I mean, Parker could in it just be the guy there. Uh, I don't know. I think there could be some interesting plays here, but I just do worry about the Patriots coming out. Mac Jones' first career start, just running the ball a ton and being kind of a slower paced game. Oh, also good point. They are not the, uh, it's not a dome game for the saints game because of the hurricane Ida stuff they're playing in Jacksonville. So that's, that's my bad. I should have remembered that, but I didn't have it on my sheet. Okay. So yeah, there's some one thing to keep in mind there since we did want to make sure we're accurate as much as we can last game here. Cause we will cover Monday night football on our Monday debut. I guess our month, not our debut. We've, we've sullied that our Monday three day a week debut next week. So we'll cover that Monday night football game then, but Sunday night football, Pete Chicago, 18.3 implied points, Rams, 25.8 implied points. And I will say showdown winning captain will be the Rams Deshaun Jackson. So that's a 10 pointer. Wow. Um, Okay. Then I will say, <sighs> I don't, I don't want to bet on Deshaun. Let's say uh, Cooper Cup winning showdown captain here. Okay, that's honestly probably the more reasonable take and the must, much safer, much smarter, much better projected play. But I'll take my heart with Deshaun Jackson. Pete, what are your final thoughts here? We've now fully covered week one. We've given every possible thought I think we had in the season. So I feel good. I think we had great takes in this episode. And I feel like we're picking up momentum heading into the three days a week. Yeah. Uh, my hope is that Willis is okay keeping track of this. We will pay you in merch, and uh, maybe maybe we do like a, a Tony Reale uh, segment with Willis where he comes on and uh, fact corrects every every dumb thing we've said on the show at the end or something like that. But um, yes, no, I'm excited uh, for the season. Spags and I are actually going to talk right after this, kind of nail down our schedule uh, for coming up and we'll have more to date on that. But we had to do the show earlier this week because uh, I'm heading to Vegas on Wednesday. Things are going to get crazy, but then next week we will settle into our usual rhythm and cadence and uh, looking forward to it. Wow. Willis already updated the ride or die sheet. He's in mid season form here to start the year. So shout out to our account, Willis and shout out to all you guys hanging out with us on Labor Day. Again, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to Peach channel, the splash play channel, and we'll uh, update everything accordingly on at splash play pod as well following you back on there so make sure to follow that one i'm chris bags that's peter roversette we'll see you guys again soon 